Welcome to Time Personified. This is a podcast about astrology, and I am the host, Francesca Mamlin, and I am an astrologer. And I hope that this podcast finds you having a really amazing start to Gemini season. Gemini season actually happens to be one of my favorite seasons, probably probably because as an Aquarius, the Gemini air energy activates my air, my the essence of my soul. And also as a fixed air sign, it's kind of refreshing to have some mutable air, to feel some flow in the mind space. And also this Gemini season, I happen to be still in the guest house that I was quarantined in during the lockdowns. And the people that I'm staying with in this guest house, we've kind of turned into a little bit of a community and I feel like I'm living in this neighborhood with all of these new friends that I've made. And that all feels very Gemini to me because Gemini is the neighborhood. It's your neighbors, it's your immediate surroundings. It's another thing that's happening for me during Gemini season is that I've lined up a few interviews for this podcast because I've been feeling that I want to get some more voices on here besides my own. And I would like you guys, the listeners, to hear some more perspectives. Today is a discussion with another astrologer, Chad Washick. And just a little bit more about Chad. He is a seeker of truth. He has a degree in philosophy. And in addition, he has a passion for studying mythology and Jungian psychology during his time in school. A decade ago, he discovered astrology. He began obsessively learning the language of astrology and all its complexities. He realized that it was a powerful framework for understanding our stories, and for him it was a natural progression to become an evolutionary astrologer. So Chad is an evolutionary astrologer, and we talk a lot about evolutionary astrology during the interview. We talk about the Pluto generations. We the point of the conversation was to talk about duality and particularly the Gemini Sagittarius polarity because we have three eclipses happening this summer. There's one on June 5th, there's one on June 21st, and then there's another one on July 5th. And the nodes of fate just switched into the signs of Gemini and Sagittarius. And I realized I'm recording this after having had this discussion with Chad and after having edited it and I realized that we never really took the time to actually explain the nodes and the eclipses so in case you don't know that much about astrology the nodes of fate are mathematical points on the zodiac in which eclipses happen they're always exactly opposite each other so they're always in two opposites of a polarity. The zodiac has 12 signs, so it has six polarities. So astrology is really uh, a powerful tool tool to study and understand duality. So eclipses are always happening at opposite signs. And every year there is a polarity that is experiencing eclipses a polarity that is experiencing eclipses. Last year, we experienced eclipses in the Cancer-Capricorn polarity, and this year we're going to be experiencing eclipses in the Gemini-Sagittarius polarity, which for me is the polarity of truth and learning, and we're going to really be exploring those themes during the episode today. 
And we also got into a really interesting discussion about the astrological ages. I really love Chad's interpretation of our transition into the age of Aquarius. This is a topic where there is a lot of debate. You will find astrologers who say that we're still in the age of Pisces and some who say that we've switched into the age of Aquarius. There's a lot of people who think that we moved into the age of Aquarius back in 2012. And I think that there are some strong arguments to be made for the fact that we may be moving into the age of Aquarius this year, in the year 2020. I mean, look at all of the stuff that is happening this year. I mean, clearly there's some kind of changing of ages, but we're going to talk a little bit about how you can look at the astrology to sort of understand that transition as well. And generally, we just talk about the astrology that we see this summer and beyond. And I hope that you find this conversation enlightening and helpful. Thank you so much to Chad for coming on the show. It's It was really amazing to get to talk to another astrologer and sort of bounce off of each other and share our interpretations of the current astrology and create something of value for you guys. So I hope you enjoy and I'll see you on the other side. Awesome. Welcome to Time Personified, Chad. I'm so excited to have you. Yeah, so you're a seeker of truth. You've studied mythology. You've studied Jungian psychology, um, and that progressed into evolutionary astrology. So can you talk a little bit more about what evolutionary astrology is and why you have chosen that particular facet of it? Well, I like that the your podcast is called Time Personified because <laughs> Essentially, what evolutionary astrology is, is understanding how we grow and evolve through time. And, you know, obviously, we don't stay the same. Our, our natal chart is important because it's the foundation of our consciousness, but we can see the shifts and the things that happen as we grow and change in life. Essentially, we're always evolving, both collectively and personally. And I came to find it as my my framework that I really resonated with because it kind of takes all these things in a very clear way so you can see the unfolding journey that we're having through life, both personally and collectively. Um, so it's very dynamic. And the more I learned about it, the more I was just like, oh my God, there's there's something to this. Uh, clearly I need to learn more. Do you like pull on um, the experience you have studying philosophy and mythology and psychology with your astrology practice? Yeah, I think it made it a very natural kind of progression from those things uh, because it was just like a, another framework, but it was a very concise and clear framework. Uh, I was already very accustomed to the language of symbol, which is what astrology speaks to us through is the universal language of symbolism. And then being that I have a philosophy background, I'm very good at, you know, thinking critically and clearly and kind of being able to put things together in like a big picture kind of way. And that's definitely my, my strong suit. Sometimes the details are a little harder, but I, I got a bit of Virgo in my chart too. So <laughs> I'm good at the, the details. That's awesome. And one of the things that really made me want to invite you on the podcast is that you talked about how you really like to um, study the polarities and study the dualities within astrology. And there was something really profound you said to me about how astrology is like actually about 
transcending the duality, which is why I was like, this is the perfect person to have on here to talk about the eclipses that we have coming up this summer. Um, so yeah, what do you think about the, oh, what do you think overall about the eclipses that we're going to be experiencing over the next few months? Like what are the themes and maybe from an evolutionary perspective, I'm like asking you three questions in one, but yeah, what do you think? <laughs> well, I'm really excited for them. I've been excited for this year for years, to be honest, because I knew there was going to be big shifts. And now that the nodes moved into Gemini and Sag and um, yeah, so I was thinking about this before I came on the podcast and I was thinking about the nodes because the eclipses are always related to where the nodes are. Mm -hmm. And with the North node moving into Gemini and the South node moving to Sagittarius, uh, the South node is what we're moving away from and what we can kind of draw upon is we're learning the lessons we need to with the North node. And Sagittarius is all about, you know, kind of learning from our experiences and finding kind of what we believe based on those experiences. So we're kind of letting go of old beliefs and using them to like find new ways to think about and communicate, you know, ideas that are important. And the eclipses are like stepping into and closing doors. So we're like closing the doors to all beliefs to open ourselves up to like new ways of thinking and connecting and communicating. And I think it's so important too, because we have all this air energy kind of coming into focus, especially next year with Saturn and Jupiter in Aquarius. There's a lot of air right now too, with all the Gemini uh, placement. Uh, Especially tomorrow, the, the new moon's going to be pretty, pretty amazing. Oh, maybe I should also explain why I find the polarities so important. Oh, because go ahead. Yeah. The polarities are different sides of the same coin. So mm -hmm. they're really kind of teaching each other. And they're not opposite, accepting our understanding. And through being able to take both sides of it, we find a much fuller expression. So with Gemini, like, how can we use our mental curiosity to kind of shape our our beliefs based on our experiences, you know, we have to be able to reflect on our experiences to like have beliefs that are resonant with what we really need to learn and vice versa. You know, we've got to be willing to go out and take action to be able to, you know, kind of pique our mental curiosity and that exploration. And it's like that with all the different polarities. Mm -hmm. And what do you think it is that eclipses specifically teach us about the polarities and how to relate to duality? I mean, I think it's like a, a way to let go of polarity in some sense and like open the door to new ways of seeing things. So I've always kind of thought of eclipses as like a, a closing of one cycle and an opening of another. So we're kind of like entering this new new period, um, evolutionary in our consciousness. And it's teaching us, you know, that we really need to think about things differently because I think there's a lot of emphasis on Gemini with the North Node there. You know, that's what we're really needing to grow into and learn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously we got to take the lessons from the past with the South Node and Sagittarius and all those experiences and really kind of think about them now and like what they actually mean um, in a much broader sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it's so interesting because you were talking about how like you've been looking forward, you've been thinking about 2020 for all this time as a practicing astrologer. And now I've been in astrology for, I've been an astrologer for like two years now. So <laughs> I kind of got into the game and then it was all of a sudden like, oh my gosh, like there's all of this energy happening right now. Um, so I didn't really get to experience that kind of build up, but I've been able to look back a bit. Like I, um, I still don't really know like what area of astrology I'm totally drawn to yet, but um, I've been practicing a lot of mundane astrology and I've been looking at charts of very specific events um, and of people. Mm -hmm. And I've been noticing in the United States, there are 
a lot of Gemini themes. And like, even like with the United States itself, like there's so much duality, there's hot and cold, the South is hot, the North is cold. Like there's the twin towers, there's the, um, the, the double political system. And then there's the fact that the current president right now, however people might feel about the current president, he was born under a Sagittarius lunar eclipse. And like this coming eclipse is um, basically like, it, it's, it's like making a kind, it, there's a lot of aspects being made to his chart and it's very close to his natal eclipse. Um, so it's really interesting seeing how things are being pushed forward. Um, what changes are you hoping to see in the world with the Gemini Sagittarius nodes and like, and the eclipses this summer and maybe even the eclipses in the fall? Well, it kind of reminded me of like the duality thing you were talking about. It kind of reminds me of what's going on right now where there's a lot of like double speak to kind of go back to like 1984, you know, so they'll like present something as like, it's this, but it's actually the opposite. And that's like very much a thing. And I think what we're needing to learn is to think critically again and like to really communicate and go beyond, you know, these false dichotomies and, you know, narratives uh, that people are pushing, like, you know, the president, uh, he's very good at that. <laughs> Be, being that he is actually on that polarity too, of Sag and Gemini. I, I think if anything, it's like how we use this energy, you know, you know, so like he's somebody that misuses the Sag Gemini polarity mm -hmm. uh, for his own gains, but how can we use that now to make the world a better place? We're trying to seek, you know, a, a world where we can be, flourishing instead of floundering i guess because i feel like the world's in such upheaval and people are kind of missing their place mm -hmm. um I, I was wrong actually it was a um, double think not double speak uh, oh double double think okay yeah. i actually haven't read that book but i bought it just a few weeks ago with the intention of yeah. reading it so i'll get to it <laughs> i just read fahrenheit 451 which is kind of a very like it felt very south mode and sagittarius to me because it, they were, it's about burning books. Um, and the mm -hmm. reason they were burning the books is so that people would forget their history. And then whatever narrative the powers that be wanted to put on the people, then they could put that on there. And that's kind of like the shadow to Sagittarius for me. It's dogma and exaggeration and yeah. misinformation for the sake of taking people's power away. Yeah, well, and there's a certain self-righteousness that kind of comes along, too, with uh, Sagittarius. So, like, I know from experience, trust me, like, mm -hmm. listen to me, I have the answers because I sought them. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, I'll listen to you. But I think that's, like, a very prevalent problem in the world, especially with what's happened with coronavirus. It's the opportunity to seize power. There's a lot of laws going into effect that are kind of cracking down on news that people in power don't want to be heard and mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of troubling and it's very Sagittarius in the, the uh, south node like you're talking about um, and so I'm hoping that that's what this eclipse cycle will be about is like kind of revealing them and be like whoa whoa we, we can't go along with this anymore we need to think for ourselves we need to think critically you know yeah. um, and not not buy into what con men say <laughs> basically <laughs> Yeah, and the North Node in Gemini, for me, Gemini is really deep into, like, trusting your own mind and trusting yourself. Mm -hmm. And I see a lot of themes coming up with local communities as well through Gemini, like, because Gemini is, like, your immediate surroundings. So, like, with, in the United States, this isn't really happening where I am in Cambodia, but in the United States, people, like, buying out grocery stores and, like, buying out all the toilet paper, like, maybe we should stop 
putting all of our all of our livelihood and all of our energy dependent upon like big food chains like maybe we actually learn how to maybe we make a community garden and we learn how to take care of ourselves on a slightly smaller scale because i think one of the biggest revealing things of the covid 19 for me has been like how dependent we are on like the big systems which yeah don't have, yeah so, yeah. <laughs> well, no, I, I think that's very much Pluto, Saturn, and Jupiter getting together in Capricorn. It's really showing you, you know, like how big the system is and how much we rely on it and how much it's taken advantage of us in some ways. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like things that need transformation there. Uh, then as far as like the food chain, I think that's very Uranus in Taurus, you know, and it's about kind of like really reflecting on what we have and what is supporting us and where we do find value in our life. And it's uh, through people that are a lot more immediate to us, you know, our communities. It's not the the government as an organization at large. They don't really do anything in our self-interest. They may throw us some table scraps, but they don't have our, our interests in mind. But the people that are immediate in our life care a lot more. And I think it's about kind of like focusing on the people that are closer to us and finding that kind of revolution and value in each other, especially because Taurus is a Venus sign. So like I can rely on the people in my life and like they'll be there for me, not this like impersonal organization that is really corrupt, which we're, you know, been seeing for years. Mm-hmm. And Taurus is so connected to self-reliance too. Like Taurus mm-hmm. people that I know are like very, very independent. I also have my South Node in Taurus, so like I can develop independence complexes almost. Like very, very attached to my independence. Um, but yeah, yeah, self-sufficiency is a huge theme there. Well, and I think it's great for me too because Uranus is about to move into my tenth house, and that's where my Mars and my Jupiter are. So I think it's the time for me to teach people those Taurus lessons when you need to undergo that revolution and be more self-reliant and rely on what we do have, which is each other. And I've been really espousing that, you know, in everything that I do, that we have to support each other. Like, we can't rely on these organizations that don't care about us. You know, we have to show up for each other and ourselves. Yeah, I totally agree. And I find it so interesting that, like, Jupiter goes into Capricorn and we experience a year where, like, we can't travel and we can't go to school and so like we're kind of like we kind of got shut off from the Sagittarius side of things it's kind of like okay you need to take a time out from this stuff so that you can go back to each other and like when you think about the world we lived in before COVID-19 everyone was already really disconnected everyone was Mm -hmm. staring at their screens there was a lot of distance and loneliness is an epidemic and now we're kind of like the the universe was kind of like all right you're gonna live like this let me let's actually confine you to your home and let's actually disconnect you from the people you love like now you'll see how much connection really matters um and i feel that as being a really big theme with um covid and with the eclipses and stuff yeah well i also i think that what happened to is people had to slow down and take a step back and reflect because if you can't go into work and that's your whole life is revolving around a 40 hour work week, it's very time consuming and draining, but then you take a step back and then you can really assess what matters in your life and what you authentically value with Uranus and Taurus and see if it lines up. And it's, you know, adding to the earth energy, you know, so we're looking at the system with Capricorn and what's not working and then we're like, well, what do I need? what is really, you know, resonant with my truth and like, how can I authentically have what I need to support me in my life and also offer that to the people that do support me too. Cause 
you know, being a Venus sign, again, it's about that sense of like being able to rely on, you know, yourself, like you're saying, but also the people that are close to us. Yeah. Venus, Venus and Mars are both really involved in the eclipse energy. And then also like there, there's a bunch of retrograde planets during this time. And Venus, actually, Venus starts a, a new synodic cycle on June 2nd. And then the eclipses, remind me what day the eclipse is. Is it, is it June 4th? June, June 5th is the first one. Okay. Um, and then the 21st, I believe, is the next one. And then December 14th. And then the, July 5th, we have another one. Oh, we have one July 5th too? Okay. Yeah. It's weird that they're like exactly a month apart with it is um, weird. yeah but they always come in you know cycles and series the december 14th one though that's a very interesting one i'm very much looking forward to that it's the total eclipse and then it's also like right after saturn and jupiter get together in aquarius mm-hmm. so that's like when i think we're gonna have the really big expansion of consciousness and kind of like be able to see things a little more clearly um, right now we're just kind of trying to work through all the false information and like let go of these beliefs that aren't serving us and that eclipse I think is going to be like a real turning point mm-hmm. um, so to speak yeah I see a huge rebirth happening in December um, mm-hmm. and right now it's it almost feels like a period of integration because we have three eclipses this summer two of them are on the south node or no, sorry two of them are lunar eclipses I don't think two of them are on the south node. Um, and all of these planets are retrograde. So I feel like right now is like, we're kind of integrating the experience we had with the lockdowns. And now we're, and we're all, we're kind of crafting a vision for what we want to create in December. And there's this huge rebirth in December. And I, I really like how you frame that because with all the retrogrades, whenever a planet is retrograde, the way I view and understand it is as a time to integrate. We're reflecting on the lessons before we move forward. And you talked about solidifying the vision. Well, right now, Saturn is retrograde in Aquarius, and that's going to be the hard work of the next three years with Saturn in Aquarius after it gets out of Capricorn again, is to really solidify a vision of a better world that we can actually live our truth and express that truth and support each other. And it kind of goes, you know, back to what I'm saying, like we have to see like how we can support, uh, you know, the people in our lives to really be able to be free to be themselves and each other. Um, so Aquarius is, yeah, definitely going to be a big theme next year. And we're like working on that, that vision that Aquarius brings. Um, and we're both Aquarius too. So I think we're very naturally in tune with that energy. Yeah. Big picture thinking. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that's definitely like when Saturn moved into Aquarius, I definitely felt it. I even felt like a sense of like, okay, like it's time for you to sort of step up and show your energy so that people can witness it. And so people can sort of like model that the good Aquarius energy, the the part that I've been able to like integrate and grow through. Well, that was right at the start of lockdown too, which is so, so funny. Cause like we want to be free, but we're restricted. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I know you're in Cambodia, but like I've noticed here in America, people are getting really fed up with like being restricted. They want their freedom. And then with, you know, all this emphasis now on other air signs, which Gemini come into focus, people are really like kind of going out and kind of pushing the boundaries of things. And I think it's going to like be a big setback too in dealing with COVID-19. And I, I, before I saw this, I was already kind of expecting a second wave, 
uh, to be pretty bad, especially if you look at like uh, the Spanish flu, for mm-hmm. example. The first wave was like, okay, but then the second wave was like so much worse. And, you know, I, I like looking at historical things to like have reference. Uh, I think you do too, based on what we were talking about with like kind of mundane astrology. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, what's really interesting about the Spanish flu is in 1918, the North node was in Sagittarius and the South node was in Gemini. So there's something connected and it's about information. It's about like all the things that we were talking about. There's something connected to the Spanish flu that like maybe we're even completing with COVID. So yeah, Mm -hmm. that's really, really interesting. And yeah, second wave. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what wasn't uh, Pluto and Gemini too during the Spanish flu? I can't remember off the top of my head. In 1918, it was it. That's possible. I know that during World War One, Pluto was in Cancer because World War One was a uh, Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Cancer. Okay. So yeah, it could have well, been around that time in Gemini. I don't know off the top of my head, but that's really yeah. It was, it was, really it was close to there. Uh, mm-hmm. Another thing I thought was interesting historically with what's going on with the economy is the last time Uranus was in Taurus was the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. And I kind of foresaw this coming for a while. I was like, ah, oh, the economy, we don't want to be invested in traditional things. Like, But it's good because like things really need to change. But unlike last time that this happened, we have Pluto in an Earth sign. And it's showing us that we really need to restructure things. We can't just put a Band-Aid on, you know, how we do business because it's not going to work. Um, and I think it's especially relevant because America is going to be going through its Pluto return in 2022. So there's going to be some big shifts um, happening. Yeah. I'm kind of excited and then also kind of nervous to see what, how, what unfolds for the U S in the next few years. Cause we've got Neptune opposition, Pluto return. And then in 2025, we're experiencing our Uranus return. And I was listening to, the astrology podcast with Chris Brennan. It's like, I think a lot of people have heard of it. It's like a really, really high level astrology yeah. podcast. But um, I was listening to an old episode and they said, every time Uranus is in Gemini, the U.S. goes through a war that completely redefines what the United States even is. There was the American Revolution. Then there was the Civil War. Then there was the Cold War. And then whatever happens in 2025 is like another one of those instances. Um, so the U.S. has a lot coming at it in the next yeah. few years. A lot happening. Well, well, it's interesting, too, because the U.S. is a sad rising. Yeah. Uh, and it kind of goes back to that sad Gemini theme that we were talking about. So when Uranus is in the seventh house, it's like a radically different relationship with the people, you know, because like it's a radically different way of relating to each other. And it's interesting that there's always been a war um, revolving around that. Uh, the Cold War, though, is the most interesting because it was more of an information war than mm-hmm. anything, you know, uh, which is very Gemini. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm excited, though, because I think that this year is the, the catalyst for really meaningful change, especially as we come upon uh, the Pluto return in 2022. It's a time to really reevaluate things. And, um, you know, there's big shifts happening to push us in that direction. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm optimist. You know, I believe in people, especially if we've been kind of come together. And with all the emphasis leading up to things with Saturn in Aquarius, and then Pluto moving into Aquarius, it's going to be like a time to really kind of take a step back and see the bigger picture and a lot more humanitarian focus than probably in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And, you know, I think the real game changer too nowadays is compared to in the past is technology. It gives us the ability to connect in ways we never have been able to before. And really like it used to be that people in power controlled the narratives and information, you know, information is very valuable, but now anybody can share information with anybody else like that. And so we can connect and talk about and share ideas and not be suppressed in the same ways we have in the past. So I think that, you know, those Aquarian themes are really going to help create that change. At least I'm very optimistic about it mm -hmm. um, and doing my best to help encourage, you know, positive transformation in the people I talk to. Mm -hmm. I, I'm optimistic too. I feel like when we live in this world, like we have to choose optimism because like, what is the other option? Like, I don't even want to know what the other option is, honestly. And, but yeah, Saturn in Aquarius, like for me, Saturn helps you call your power back. And now I haven't had my Saturn return yet, but like I always interpret that experience in any kind of Saturn experience is like making you call your power back to yourself. And I think that Saturn in Aquarius is going to really be a call back to our own power when it comes to technology and innovation. And it's kind of like helping us do some of that work before Pluto gets into Aquarius and we start to like really see the shadow of all of that stuff. And another way that I interpret Saturn and Aquarius is um, building stronger communities because Saturn to yeah. me is a very strong, stable planet and Aquarius is our communities and our, it's humanitarianism and it's our ability and our desire to take care of each other. And I think Saturn is really calling us to that. Like you don't need like, um, government organizations and currency in order to trust each other you can just do that because we're all connected yeah well in some ways it's like governments and organizations like that are less trustworthy because you don't have a relationship with them you don't know them like the people in your community or in your network you know like you have no sense of them there's no accountability and that's also what saturn's about is accountability mm -hmm. and you know i think that's been a very powerful emphasis the last three years with Saturn and Capricorn is accountability with ourselves and each other um, and this retrograde is about now kind of internalizing that accountability of ourselves to really show up and you know the Saturn Jupiter and Pluto conjunction and Capricorn all those coming come into focus this year this year is about having to show up and be accountable and finally do something and you know, Capricorn is the ultimate sign of manifestation. So, like, how can we manifest, manifest, you know, these changes in a meaningful way and, like, have integrity and accountability in how we show up? And, you know, I went through my Saturn return not too long ago. It's in Capricorn. So I feel like I'm really stepping into my power now, like you were saying. Um, and one of the things about Saturn that I really love is it teaches us hard lessons, but those hard lessons are very meaningful. It puts pressure on us. But that pressure creates diamonds. So, you know, there's a lot going on. There's a struggle, but it's going to lead to really good things if we show up with accountability and integrity and really kind of go to, to work and take on the task that's being asked of us. Mm -hmm. um, and one interesting thing, too, um, I, I don't know where your Pluto is. I assume it's in Scorpio. Um, it's but in Sagittarius, the, actually. Oh, it's in Sagittarius. Okay, yeah. you're a little bit younger. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the Pluto and Scorpio generation is very pivotal at this time because they're here to create transformation, gener, uh, generational transformation, and like really expose things and kind of 
put to task things and take it, you know, to, to light almost. Uh, then, you know, your generation, Pluto and Sag is now going to like really kind of like look to see like what we can create in the bigger sense, but we have to like be able to call those things out and transform those things. And, and generally now most of the people in the Pluto and Scorpio generation have undergone their Saturn returns. So they have a stronger foundation to like actually make meaningful change and affect the world. And there's people with, Pluto and Sag, or Pluto in Scorpio already, sorry, that are starting to make big changes, and it's really cool to see. Um, and I, I think maybe it also relates to like how the world needs more people that are kind of energetic healers too. That's like part of the transformation, you know. And the Pluto and Scorpio generation is all about that. They're all about helping create that transformation. <laughs> At least I know I, I am. It's right on my uh, IC like that, oh, that cool. point yeah so it's yeah, like the foundation of your chart yeah yeah exactly and that's how i always think of the fourth house it's like your roots that's who you are deep down it's like you know um and then it's also trying my moon in pisces so i intuitively heal people because eighth house moon those things together yeah but i know a lot of other people kind of are on that vibe from pluto and scorpio Mm -hmm. yeah i really i agree with everything you said about the pluto and scorpio generation i have pluto at zero degrees of sagittarius in fact there are people slightly younger than me that still have pluto and scorpio because there was like a retrograde or something yeah the retrograde um, yeah yeah i'm like right in the middle of that and also so people with that generation what they also have is some of them at least have neptune and Uranus and Capricorn. Neptune and Uranus made a conjunction oh. in Capricorn in the 90s. And what's interesting is, yeah. at least for me, Actually, they're being transited by Saturn and Pluto right now. So, like, that's being activated by the Saturn-Pluto conjunction in all of the Capricorn planets. Yeah, no, I think that's very significant. Actually, in my chart, I have Saturn, Uranus, and Neptune all kind of hanging out together. Um, oh, and yeah. I, I like them all together. Like, I think they're very uh, profound energies. Um, especially Neptune's one of my favorite placements for Capricorn or in Capricorn, I should say, because it's about like actually taking spirituality and compassion and like manifested it in practical and useful ways. You know, I think with Neptune, until we can find ways to kind of bring spirit down to earth and like make it applicable in our life, it doesn't mean a whole lot. But with it being in Capricorn, we can actually kind of put it to work and to use like how can I use this spiritual experience or this compassion that I feel to do something meaningful and create structures in the world that will actually help people and the same thing with Uranus like how can I be a radical person that has integrity and accountability and how I express myself and what I'm trying to do and this accountability with living my own truth and expressing that then you know saturn's already at home in capricorn it's, it's on that vibe it's like yeah work hard like get it done like push through you got this <laughs> so we both have a lot of outer planets in capricorn i have yeah. uranus and neptune in capricorn in my first house so i deeply identify with that stuff and i also have venus in capricorn um, and i have saturn in pisces so my saturn and my neptune they're in mutual reception and I really feel yeah. what you said about bringing spirit down to earth. Like, I really feel like one of the things that I'm doing and this would apply to like my generation as well is like building that bridge into the unseen and then also softening Capricorn energy. Capricorn energy has gotten quite distorted, I think, like through yeah. 
be living in a patriarchal society, we've sort of cast the cancer aside and we've really kind of leaned into the Capricorn in a very distorted way. And I think our generation is sort of softening that a little bit and like helping with the, the cancer Capricorn duality a little bit too. Well, and that duality I also think is very important in America because America is a cancer sun and then we have Pluto and Capricorn. So, you know, those are very highlighted. So I think, you know, we have to learn to lean more into that, that sensitivity and that softness and that nurturing as a nation and, you know, have more empathy. I think that's like a big problem in the world today is the lack of empathy because we've been so disconnected because we've been put through such a harsh system. And that's the other thing about what happened with COVID is the time to take a step back and not be caught up in the system that's so hard and demanding on us and take the time to care for ourselves. Um, and I thought it was interesting too, that was like right at the end of the nodes being in Cancer and Capricorn. And, you know, leading up to this, we've been kind of making room, uh, especially with the last eclipse cycle being in Cancer and Capricorn to like really see that we need to have more empathy and more caring the North Node being in Cancer and let go of these harsh, outdated, dogmatic systems that aren't serving us. They're really only hurting us at the, for a few people to profit, for a few people to, you know, thrive when it should be about, you know, us all thriving. Absolutely. And yeah. also during the summer, two of the three eclipses this summer are happening in Capricorn and Cancer still because the nodes are... Um, they just recently shifted. So we have the, on June 5th, the eclipse is in Gemini, is in Sagittarius, sorry, Gemini and Sagittarius. It's a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius. And then on June 21st, we have a solar eclipse in Cancer. On July 5th, we have a lunar eclipse in Capricorn. So what are, what do you think that means? Like what themes do you think we're wrapping up or what things do you think we're wrapping up from the Cancer and Capricorn stuff this summer to then move on to Gemini and Sagittarius? Well, well, I think part of what we're wrapping up is like also the integration period of Saturn and Jupiter. I mean, Pluto is still going to be there for a little bit, but it's time to really kind of take those lessons the past few years um, and like see what's not working structurally in our lives and how we can care more for each other. And I think, you know, this crisis has shown us that it, when we care for the people in our lives that are close to us, they'll care for us and nurture us and support us. Um, and we, we need that sense, you know, we need a, a sense of being able to take care of each other and feel supported to be really able to flourish and thrive. Um, and I think it's kind of ridiculous that we live in the most advanced civilization in human history. And we have so much, you know, ability to live a life where we can all thrive, but we don't for some reason. And it's so, perverted you know the system it's like kind of gotten out of control and so we have to see like what's not working systematically and create transformation in that area of our life and with the planets that are in retrograde in capricorn at that time especially um saturn goes back into capricorn on july 1st mm -hmm. um, it's a time to like really integrate like those lessons like how can i create structure in my life internally to support my growth to like really show up and like do something meaningful to help the world um especially because capricorn too is transcendental earth i i don't know uh if you kind of understand the signs in the same way but basically i divide the wheel into thirds mm -hmm. and the first third of the wheel Aries through Cancer is consciousness of self, 
um, and all the different elements. And then the second third is relational consciousness. And then the last third is transcendental consciousness. So that's like the scope of what they're aiming at in their different elements. So transcendental earth uh, for Capricorn. So like, how can we, you know, kind of focus on, you know, the larger picture of what we're trying to manifest and materialize in an earthly sense. And then on the flip side in, Cap or in Cancer, like, how can I care for myself and the people that are close to me and support me? Um, and more so, you know, instead of focusing on the system outside of me that's uncaring and not, you know, working to support any good in my life, really. Yeah. And I think, like, what really, I love the way you divide that, actually. I love the way that you think of it. And I think the element that I was thinking of when you were talking about was that Capricorn is reality. Saturn and Capricorn's reality. And I think one of the things that we're learning with the South Node and Capricorn is a lot of our reality is just imagined. Like um, yeah. what you were talking about with, you know, we live in this advanced society, but not everyone is taken care of. I saw a picture on social media in Vegas where they had to paint boxes on the street so that homeless people could socially distance. And yet all of the casinos and hotels, like there's thousands there are millions of places to stay in vegas and they were just empty and they could have just put those homeless people in the freaking hotels and like these barriers are made up like we've we've drawn these boundaries between ourselves and like we've you know put things like capricorn stuff like money and like that that's defining whether or not we live or die but it's all just in our imagination it doesn't have to be real um so it's kind of like redefining what we actually see as a barrier yeah well and it's the result of dogma so like you know things have been a certain way for so long and people just continue to believe in those things and it actually kind of reminds me um of the shifts in ages i don't know how much you know about the ages but just recently we moved from the dark age of pisces into the golden age of aquarius mm -hmm. and the dark the ages are about two thousand years um and the dark age of pisces was where belief and spirituality were used to control people so there's these dogmatic beliefs and they would, you know, say one thing, but they would be doing it to kind of subvert the will of the people and the good of the people. But now we're shifting into the golden age of Aquarius. It's about coming together, humanitarian efforts, technology and knowledge to lift each other up. Um, and that's another reason why I was excited about this year, because it's the, the start of that. And it happened when we were in lockdown. Because we like had to think about things differently. Like, wait, is everything that we believe bullshit? Like, <laughs> you know? I didn't know about that actually. And I, so the astrological ages are a huge area of interest for me. But there's so much debate about like, are we in the age of Aquarius? Are we not? So yeah, I'm interested in um, your interpretation of that. And like, uh, we just moved into the golden age. Like, yeah, how do you, how do you know how um, is that determined? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, there's a lot of information, so I'm not super solid on it. There's like other astrologers that I've heard talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm kind of like a little bit hesitant to talk about it because I'm not like super dialed in about it, but it makes kind of sense because it happened during Aries season and Saturn just shifted into Aquarius. And then there's all this transformation going on with like Pluto and uh, Jupiter kind of together. Um, and it makes sense. I've been looking forward to this year for a reason. You know, there's big shifts happening like, I almost feel like what has to happen is there's a pendulum kind of swing back the other way. And that's what I look to this year as. And then I heard astrologers talking about, you know, shifting into the age of Aquarius. I'm like, oh, that makes so much sense. But this is the time. I don't remember who, who said it, but 
it really resonated with me because I'm like, yeah, that kind of resonates with how I feel. You know, it's a time to wake up. Essentially, we've been all asleep for too long for two thousand years or whatever. Yeah, Pisces is sleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I actually like that interpretation too. I like the idea of 2020 being that year. Um, also because of the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, because Jupiter and Saturn have been meeting in Earth signs. It, this isn't consistent, but they've basically been meeting in Earth signs for the last 200 years. And mm-hmm. they they met in Libra in the 80s, and then they're meeting in Aquarius now, and they're like starting a 200-year cycle of air signs. Um, so it makes sense. Yeah. And it's starting in Aquarius. And, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's like the other thing about it um, that I was looking forward to, too, because like when I... I realized that they were getting together only in earth signs, basically. It was like, oh, wow. So now we're shifting to air. We're going to think about things differently, especially because it's starting in Aquarius. It's about having a broader vision, like really kind of seeing things clearly because Aquarius and Capricorn are both Saturn signs. But I think the real gift of Aquarius is their vision. They see things clearly because they take a step back to really see everything rather than just like hone in on this dogmatic belief that, oh, things are this way, you know, I don't need to worry about that. I've already figured it out, kind of Capricorn dogma. Fun little tidbit too. Um, I don't know if you know what Aquarius is, but I have a riddle for you. Oh, I would love a riddle, yeah. (laughs) So Aquarius is made of air, fixed, and bears water. What is an Aquarius? Oh, wow. I don't know what is an Aquarius. Most people don't get this. Aquarius are clouds. They're clouds. I love that. And that's why they see the future. They have the vision because they're floating up, doing their own thing, and they can see ahead on the horizon of what's to come. And so now it's a time to actually create a future that is, you know, supporting us all where we can be nurtured and nourished by the, the waters that are being brought from working together collaboratively. <laughs> I Especially love because that. we've had some crazy droughts too. Um, and another thing too, I think about the age of Aquarius is, you, you know, there's climate change and all this like devastation we've kind of unleashed on the planet. And, you know, there's a lot of predictions that we won't be able to recover from these things because it's too far gone. But one thing I really believe in is human innovation, especially when we work together towards the common goal and good. And so I think as we start to work together and like think of, you know, the bigger picture of you know the world at large and how to take care of it, that we can actually kind of fix some of these problems uh, because it's not going to be about profit. It's going to be about doing the right thing for the world and you know our communities um especially because i I imagine we're gonna have some really big technological breakthroughs and scientific innovation um i've already heard about like for instance they learned uh how to recycle uh very easily um so plastic might not be so much of a problem moving forward for instance which would be cool um just just some thoughts about you know kind of what we're shifting into and my hopes for the future (laughs) yeah i absolutely love that about aquarius being a cloud and the you're so right like i think the thing that we really can lean on over the next coming years because i think we have some really intense times come upon us and i think that on a soul level like we all like my personal belief is that like on a soul level like we chose to come here and go through this 
experience with planet earth and i think that human innovation and human genius is that thing that we can really lean on and that thing that we can really be like we can get through anything like humans were once a little species of monkeys in east africa and like look at how far we've come and if you can believe that there is good within humanity if you can tap into that aquarius optimism and believe that humans are good then um that becomes your truth and we can build something really beautiful and really amazing in the in the age to come <laughs> on a very yeah. scale yeah well, and it's also about, about being able to take a step back and open your mind you know just because you haven't seen something as a reality yet doesn't mean it can't be created you just have to be able to have the imagination and vision to be able to create it especially if you're working together and um one thing i've also thought you know there's so many more autistic people than ever before um and maybe there were always autistic people throughout human history but i think it's very prevalent now mm -hmm. and people on the spectrum tend to be very hyper-focused and knowledgeable about certain things. And so the world is so complex with more of these people that they can problem solve things that we never would have been able to before because they're so gifted in certain areas. So it's not that like one person has to solve, you know, all these problems or a few people is people that um, are able to kind of see things in a way we wouldn't before because honestly like autism is just a neurodiverse kind of a way of thinking and approaching things and i'm actually on the spectrum myself uh, i've diagnosed asperger's and i think it's given me deep insights to astrology so to speak um but i know there's a lot of other people that are like super profound on the spectrum and like gifted and since it's so prevalent nowadays i think that's gonna be something to wean on and help us like in the future too Mm -hmm. yeah and even that mindset shift of like we're like okay so everyone who's this way is normal and everyone who works this way is like they get this special label but no like they just have a different way of thinking just like everyone has a different way of thinking so like being able to be more inclusive with all of that stuff too that mindset shift is important yeah when it's very Aquarian right too to be unique and think about things differently right um so I think that's you know yeah really coming to focus and I think, you know, it's just about thinking of people as different, uh, you know, not necessarily like in the past where they thought of people on the spectrum as having a disability or something because they weren't quote unquote normal. Uh, you know, I think they're just like wired differently and they're amazing for that. You know, everyone's gifted and uh, a beautiful soul in their own way. It's just whether they're given the chance to shine and really share their gifts uh, that matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And hopefully in the in these days we're we're breaking down the systems because every our world has basically come to a halt and we're going to be able to rebuild in the future in a more inclusive way and in a, in a way that's inclusive to all people, inclusive to the earth and all of the planets, or not all the planets, all the animals that we share the earth with and the planet too. Um, and yeah, I I'm like you, like I'm, I'm very optimistic that this is an opportunity for us to like catalyze a beautiful future for humanity and step into that age of Aquarius. And yeah, I'm really glad we got to talk about the age of Aquarius today too. And yeah, yeah. It, it seemed, it seemed too fitting not to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, you know, one thing too, like with optimism, it seems really dark to a lot of people right now because they're, 
reality's been shattered. You know, they bought into these beliefs and the systems, and it's probably pretty hard for those people. But I always think about literally and metaphorically as darkest before dawn. So it's like the sun's about to come up, and it's like, oh my God, it's like, it's okay, we'll get through it. You know, you can't lose hope at the very end. It's just about encouraging and supporting each other through this dark night of transformation, essentially, um, that we're being forced to deal with this year and maybe, you know, in the coming years too with the Pluto return in um, America, for instance. But this is just really the start of these changes and, you know, meaningful and big changes don't happen all at once. Sometimes they do, but there's things that kind of weed up to it and then even after. Um, so, you know, it's just about creating the foundation. And I felt like this year, like, is that pendulum sort of, uh, shift the other direction? Um, and it'll start to pick up momentum. It's going kind of slow right now because it's just like, whoa, that was crazy. What, what, what happened to the world? Like, oh my God, <laughs> my whole reality. But then, you know, as people get more used to the like, yeah, well, the old world are like, I don't want any of that. That world sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I want a better world. Yeah, I don't want to go back to the old at all. And yeah, and that's that's so Pluto and so Scorpio, everything you were talking about, like just surrendering to the death process. When you, when you, death and birth are two sides of the same coin, just like we were saying with duality, but you have to really surrender to the death in order to then experience the birth. We have to trust that the birth is coming. So I guess my final question is like, and this might be like, a, this is a really out there question, but like, um, what are you doing personally to sort of hold on to that trust that the rebirth is coming? Um, in addition to like all the other things that we've been talking about, like personally, what's that experience for you? Um, well, I don't know if there's anything I'm doing in particular. I've always had a lot of trust in the universe, um, so to speak, because my moon's in Pisces in the eighth house and it's trying my Pluto. So like, I feel things really intensely, but then I'm like, I know it's good trust it like I don't see necessarily how um, but also my north nodes in Pisces in this conjunct palace Athene so like wow. I'm kind of in tune with like the wisdom that um, you know like yeah I'm on the right path but what I'm doing is I'm trying to share this knowledge with people I'm trying to encourage people I'm trying to help them in this transformation um, actually what I'm doing too in terms of my services is I'm kind of being flexible with how much people pay because I know not everyone can pay as much or whatever and I'm just trying to find outlets of sharing this information and I feel like I've been able to do that a lot more now um, which is actually makes a lot of sense because Jupiter is trying my natal Jupiter so I transited in Jupiter in the sixth house trying my natal Jupiter in the tenth house so it's like work 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 share the knowledge expand people help them grow and like okay keep doing it and that's you know what i have faith in i have faith that i can help people by sharing my gifts and that'll make the world a better place you know every interaction is a lesson an opportunity to make the world a little bit better so how can i show up now um and i think that's also my taurus 10th house especially if you're in this being in taurus is to teach people to be solid in their own truth and to be able to slow down and take the time to really be grounded and what it is they need and support them in that that's also beautiful yeah there's so much there with service too with the sixth house and mm -hmm. making a yeah. trying to your tenth house and yeah and on that note like where can people go to learn more about you and 
you know, find it, like learn about your services and stuff? Where do you hang out online? Um, so far, uh, IG, I'm in the process of getting my YouTube going. Um, and my handle is Astro Integrations. My YouTube will be the same. Um, and yeah, I'm hoping to get my website up soon too. Um, I've been trying to launch my astrology career for a few years, but I wasn't in a very supportive place and I didn't really have the resources I need. I think it was also, I was going through my Saturn return. Uh, so it was just a big struggle, but I've gone through my Saturn return now and I'm finding the resources to like actually build these things. And with Uranus moving into my 10th house too, it's going to be this radical shift. So I'm going to continue to create more things. So definitely my IG and I'll keep people posted from there, but I'm hoping to get my YouTube up soon. <laughs> well, I'm so looking forward to finding your YouTube and continuing to follow your work. I'm really glad that we were able to connect on Instagram and yeah, thank yeah. you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> Shout out to Cosmic Cousins, too, for suggesting we talk. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's the rad guy. He's another Aquarius. Yeah, another Aquarius astrologer, Virgo Moon. Aquari he's a double Aquarius, actually. Aquarius rising, too. And he's awesome. Well, yes. Yeah, so I'm a Leo rising Aquarius sun, and then I'm a Pisces moon. So me and him have some, like, crazy connection. It's, like, weird. <laughs> but I'm really glad that we were able to connect. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you've listened to this point, I sincerely and truly appreciate your time and energy and attention that you've dedicated to listening to my work, listening to what I have to say and what my guests have to say and cultivating a deeper understanding for astrology. And if you enjoyed this show, this always annoys me when other podcasters do this, but I'm gonna do it. I'm going to ask you, if you've enjoyed this show, uh, to please leave a rating and review on iTunes if you can, or any other app that you happen to be listening to the show on, because it, when you leave a rating and when you leave a review, first of all, I get to read your words and I get to see how you or read or hear or whatever, how you feel about the show, because with podcasts, it's kind of difficult to get feedback because people just listen and then there's really nowhere for them to actually get feedback unless you find me on Instagram or unless you email me. I don't really get to hear what people are thinking of the show, so that's great. Also, if you rate and review the podcast on iTunes or anywhere else, it will help other people find the show and then more people will hear my work. And you know, I'm not going to lie, that will make me happy. So I would love it if you could take the time to do that. Otherwise, thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I really hope that the discussion was enlightening or helpful for you in any way. We have such intense astrology coming ahead of us in the month of June and over the summer. So I'm always here if you have any questions, if you want to share any experiences with me, you can always contact me on Instagram or via email. I always link my website and Instagram in the show notes, and I always leave my link in there if you want to book a reading with me. And yeah, I'm going to let you continue with your day, and I'm sending love and light and protection and health to you wherever you are in the world. And thank you so much for being on this journey with me. Have a great day.